The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Welcome, everyone, to episode 177 of the Book of Mormon podcast. You have Kevin and Shelby here. Hey, everyone. And we actually have three guests today on this episode, um, three missionaries who are serving in uh, well, this area. And let's, uh, let's take the opportunity to have them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm... Elder Alex Peterson. I've been serving here for about uh, 21 months now. I grew up in the Dakotas and currently live in Washington State. And my name is Elder Tanner DeStefano. I've been out here for just over six months. I grew up mostly in Utah and yeah, I'm really excited to be out here in Arlington. I'm Elder Ethan Romero. I'm from Harriman, Utah. Um, I've been on my mission for 22 months, um, and I speak Spanish. And if you need a friend down in Utah County, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I speak Spanish, too, a little bit. Let's go. I served in a Spanish-speaking mission, <laughs> but only served in English areas. It was bilingual. Yeah, mm. very interesting. Anyway, we're happy to have you guys Thanks. on the podcast with us. So we're going to be, like Kevin said, talking about 3rd Nephi chapter 14. And we always like to read the chapter heading just to give us a little synopsis of what's been going on. So this is in comparison to Matthew 7 in the Bible. And it says, Jesus commands, judge not, ask of God, beware of false prophets. And he promises salvation to those who do the will of the Father. So this is still Christ here in the Americas teaching the people. And this chapter is just a continuation of more of the things that we can do to become, in my opinion, to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and dive in. We can go verse by verse, or we can go to your favorite parts. But anyone want to, Kevin, want to take us away? I will just say something that I mentioned last episode that I want to reiterate is that throughout this sermon, if you will, that Jesus is giving to the multitude, occasionally he will then address his disciples and then he'll go back to the multitude. And so we just finished in, at the end of chapter 13, he was giving them kind of like what I called the leadership training last week. And now in verse one, it says, it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he turned again to the multitude and did open his mouth unto them again, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, judge not that ye be not judged. And so now it's, I believe, more of a broad, like a broader message, you know, like think general conference talk as opposed to maybe a specific, uh, you know, and in this case, like I said, a, a leadership training that he gave. So I really love this first set of verses about judgment because 
this is a very, this is something that I think Satan takes and says, just love everybody. But the way that we're given to judge is so that we can know good from evil, right? And here he says, I say unto you, judge that ye be not judged for what, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with that measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And that's a good reminder to me of what judgment is, right? Like if I'm going to judge a fruit, right, of someone's work, then I have to hold myself to that same judgment and know that that's the same thing for me. Yeah, and I will say one thing I kind of think is a little bit funny, and I will admit I've fallen into this sometimes where we're like, I'll like kind of judge people whether silently or vocally. But I found that especially the people who judge a little more vocally, typically it's like once they're gone, that everyone's just talking about judging them, like right, and that's kind of what that first verse adds like judge not that ye be not judged because that's ends up what that usually is what ends up happening is those who are like super judgmental about everyone then are are then judged themselves by kind of everyone else yeah the thing that i love the most about these first few verses that christ talks about right not judging people recognizing what you can do better is it all comes down to humility right? Understanding that we're not perfect, that we got room to improve. Nobody is perfect at any point in their life. There's always something you can do better. So instead of focusing so much on what other people can do better and how you know, you've got one up on everybody else and you're doing the best, blah, 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 focusing on what you can do better, understanding that the Savior's atonement, right? The sacrifice that he made so that we can be able to improve every day, recognizing that that is what you need to be focusing on more than anything else, more than other people, more than xyz understanding that your humility right focusing on the savior what he did for you is more important than anything you know it's just a comforting reminder that our savior invites us to do that yeah and also to like uh, a couple of verses down it uh like the first like thing it says is thou hypocrite and yeah it's like like elder stefano was saying we we're all imperfect people and there may be different things on what it is we struggle with or whatever, but we all have something we struggle with. And like the example Christ gives with the moat and like the beam in like the eyes and stuff. It, and this is partly just cause like my brain turned it a little comedic is that like that moat is like the, usually this, this like just this little splinter kind of on the edge of their eyelid. And then I always imagine that beam like like a railroad tile almost, <laughs> where it's just this massive pole, or like a gymnast bar where it's just this massive pole just sticking out of their head. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's just but it like the the point of it is that like we all have our problems and if we're judging people, it's just honestly gonna make that that moat bigger because it's gonna be just add one more to that thing we are doing like that we need to improve on. I think a really cool way to be able to like kind of um, kind of push back against that is to just let everyone know that we're all on the same journey together, that we're all trying to become like Jesus Christ. We all have imperfections and we all go through ups and downs, but as long as we're, we're progressing, as long as we have faith in Jesus Christ, we, um, 
keep the invitation that President Nelson extended to daily repent, to take the sacrament weekly, we can we can all help each other. We can all lift each other up. We can be that person that is willing to be humble and to help others when, when they need help. Yeah, I, I really like all those comments. Something that struck out to me in this reading of this chapter was in verse five, he says to first cast out or cast a beam out of thine own eye and then shalt thou see clearly, right? And I really focused on that. And I thought, well, that's that's really interesting that we're not seeing clearly when we're when we ourselves are not self-aware, right? And so I started to look at some things about like our blind spots that maybe we don't, when obviously they're blind spots, we don't recognize them. And here Christ is um, encouraging us to identify those, those areas of improvement, like you said, Elder. And, I had a couple things that I was going to throw out there. If anyone has any thoughts to like, maybe take it to the next level. Um, one is, is an overconfidence in our own abilities, right? Being self-aware of, of what we're capable of and understanding that we, we are mortals, you know, things like that. And then biases that impact our decision-making. And I want to think, I want to actually apply that to the context of the Nephites, right? These biases, both on, on the Nephites, but then also, um, on the Lamanites we've discussed in the past, like the Lamanites had a bias against the, the Nephites. But then right now, you know, in this recent history, um, there were many, many biases that were really affecting their society, right? So like, for example, the, the different uh, contentions that arose, you know, political tension and things like that. And I kind of wanted to, to talk about that and see if we had anything, like, can we pull anything relevant to the Nephites in his sermon? Yeah, one thing that kind of, <clears throat> struck my attention as you're mentioning that is that prior to Christ's coming or prior to any of the signs that have been given at this period of time in the Book of Mormon, the people were really divided, right? It talks a lot about a group of, of individuals, the Gadianton robbers, who were just causing a lot of havoc, right, in the land. And the people were divided and their focus wasn't on Christ. It was on temporal things. And our Father in Heaven, right, doesn't want us to do that. So the reason they were all able to gather, right? It talks about the great peace that they were able to have at this time. And that was all because of the love that they had for them, for one another and for Christ. And you know, that's really applicable in today's time because, you know, today we're, there's a lot of things that are trying to grapple for our attention. A lot of things that can distract us from what's most important. And with so much confusion and distractions, what I'm able to draw from this chapter is that if we're able to focus on our Savior, focus on what he taught, on loving one another, and on putting him first, 
that a lot of those contentions, those judgments, right? We won't even be focusing on those anymore because we're so focused on on what's way more important than that than caring for each other and understanding, right? Like El Romero said, that we're on this journey together. It's not a, you know, a face-off, standoff against each other. It's it's us working together to overcome those things. Yeah, and to add to that, like throughout, um, like those for uh, three verses three through five, the person, like the other person in that, in that like mini parable, it's your brother. It's like it's your family member, and that's yeah, that's what we are. Is we're all we're all family members here, all here to kind of help each other out. Not it's not there's not going to be. We're not going to get to heaven and it's going to be like, all right, I only got room for X amount of people. And so it's a fight to see who's the most righteous, but it's this like communal effort almost where we all help each other get there so that we can all be there. And if I can add, I liked what you were saying, Elder Romero, because my first instinct when Kevin was talking about then thou shalt see more clearly obviously we can see more. So that teaches me two things. We can see more clearly when we're repenting and casting out, you know, the beam or casting out in our own eye, the beam in our own eye so that we can become more like our savior. Right. But it also teaches me that it's human nature that we're fighting against, right? It's our natural man that we're fighting against to overcome this. It's, it's natural for us to look and to judge and we're trying to overcome that. And that's through repentance, right? And so when we do that, we can then teach other people, this is how I overcame that thing, right? That's what I think he means by thou shall see clearly to cast the mill out of thy brother's eye, right? Then I'm going to go invite other people to do the same thing that I did that helped me. And it's not because I'm better than them. It's because we're all trying to get to the same place, which is back to our Heavenly Father and to Him. So, yeah, anyway. yeah, I that's so much kind of what I've kind of found out. Just being on my mission and being a missionary, a lot of people like see us and just assume we're trying to like boost numbers or get people to join our congregation for either. I'm not sure what, like either whether it's monetary gain or something else, but for me, it's always like, and they teach us this too, like our purpose is to help others come unto Christ. And like, we found that the things we teach have been the best way to help people get to Christ. But there have been people I've taught where we like, there hasn't, there's been no expectation to get baptized. There's been no baptism that's or conversion that's come from it. But I've seen the positive effect we've like been able to bring to these people by introducing or reintroducing these principles and these teachings. Like there was one family I met, they said after meeting with us, they said, look, we don't want to really join your church or keep meeting with you, but you guys made a positive impact on our family. We now read scriptures every night together. And it was just really cool to kind of see that and, help them just come that little bit closer to the savior, even. And like, again, that is the purpose of the missionary of missionaries is to do that. I like that. You help them establish, uh, I think it's Joy D. Jones said, holy habits and righteous routines. I think it was her. I don't know. Well, if it's not just Google it and you can find out that holy habits and righteous routines are what 
I feel like you're helping people to do specifically in that situation too. Um, yeah, I love that. Well, let's keep on going in the chapter. My favorite verse is verse seven and verse eight. Um, it's also compared to Matthew seven, right? But it's the classic ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I love this promise that he gives to them, right? Just ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. It's so clear, right? It's it's action. It's doing. It's not just sitting there waiting for it to come to you. It's actively looking and seeking Christ in all that we do. And he will give us answers. They don't always come the way we expect them to, right? Um, sometimes they do, but they will come. Um, yeah, I feel, and I do this myself, I feel a lot of people will typically, yeah, look at those two verses and kind of see that as the end of that. But I was, as I was like kind of reading this, I was noticing like verses nine through 11 are kind of a continuation of that. And it, it basically explains like, like people are imperfect and like almost like, like, like inherently evil creatures sometimes. A natural man is an enemy of God. But it says like, look, you go to, to some random person and you ask if you can like get a bite to eat. Like just have a little bit of food. They're not going to, probably not going to give you like a rock or anything. They're probably not going to wave you off. They might, or it's like, like typically if you ask for something from someone and it's like, it's not crazy, then they'll typically give it to you. And it's like, and people are not perfect. So it's like, you ask for something from your heavenly father who is perfect. Like, yeah, he's going to give that to you. And like, he may even give you more than what you ask for. And I think it, it just comes down to kind of the timing of it all. But I think that that's just kind of something that I noticed that I feel is really important to just kind of add on to that. Well, this next, like, I think four or five verses, um, it's kind of this cycle, if you will, right? Like, first, this instruction to ask and then receive, right? And then making it more personal, like you said, Elder Peterson, where, you know, hey, think about yourself. Think about how we interact on earth as mortals. We'll compare that with how a higher, holier being is going to act. Well, then, of course, if you ask something of God, he's going to give it to you. But then, as he, like, wraps it back up in verse 12, he says, therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law of the prophets. And that's interesting that he he throws that in there as a part of this, this teaching, because at the end of the day, we we are, again, all in this together. I, I feel like we keep on coming back to that, which is, hey, the the. The Lord is going to bless you when you ask of him. It's really important that you don't make it all about yourself, though, that we need to we need to focus on ministering to others, being a good neighbor, 
And th- these are the things that, that are the high points of, uh, of Christ's sermon to the multitude here and then also in the New Testament. I think one thing that um, has been a big theme on my mission, especially the last about year, has been personal revelation and like the importance of it as a missionary and even more so as a member. Um, it's going to be kind of exciting to figure out how that comes to me as uh, as a member, as a return missionary, trying to figure that all out. But um, um, I really love how the Savior always invites um, with with promises and blessings. Um, first, we, we we exercise faith. We ask, and we put our faith in action. Um, and that that's seeking, that's searching the scriptures. I can't remember which apostle taught this, but um, if we want, um, if we have questions, we ask God. If we if we want answers, we search the scriptures. I think another thing that we can add to that too is applying what what we search. Um, I feel like maybe that might be the knocking portion of, <laughs> of that scripture. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Um, I feel like a lot of the times we, we can miss the application part of, of the scriptures. Um, be not, be not just listeners and, but be doers of the word. I can't remember that scripture, but, um, I feel like that's when we can really start to form testimony and form, um, knowledge and wisdom as members of the church is when when we start to apply that principle of well learning acting and becoming that's something that our mission president has taught us a lot yeah we were kevin and i were on a walk the other day we were listening i'm reading the book of mormon I read the Book of Mormon. I did a, I have a study plan. So I read a chapter a day through the end of the year and then I'll be done with the Book of Mormon this year. But there was, we were talking, it's that scripture where it talks about the, basically the more obedient that you are, I don't have it, but the more that you're listening and keeping the commandments, the greater portion of the word will be given to you. But as you don't, Heed the commandments, the lesser portion is given unto you. And when I think about uh, asking, seeking, and knocking, I think about that. How much effort and intention are we putting into that? Are we receiving the greater portion of the word or receiving the lesser portion of the word, right? Like what, what is our obedience to his commandments? And as we do that and we knock, we then, I have no doubt, we're receiving the more portion of the word, right? So I just thought that was interesting. I don't know where it's at. I didn't blink it over. But. It's an Alma 12. Thank you. For sure. So as we move on uh, in verse 13, Jesus starts to, I think there's more of like more cautionary uh, instruction that begins here. He talks about entering in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way which leadeth to destruction. 
and many there be who go in thereat. And that's pretty crazy because if you think about it, he's saying, he is saying like only a few are going to get through the straight gate. Um, because it's a lot, it's a lot easier to miss, right? Yeah. And yeah, well, one thing I want to kind of mention, I don't know if you guys mentioned this back in, uh, first Nephi with the true vision of the tree of life, but the pathway leading to the tree is, uh, labeled as uh, straight and narrow, straight being spelled S T R A I T. Uh, same, same here, and it's not spelled S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. Mm-hmm. That difference being, uh, that second straight means like going only in the one direction versus the, uh, the first one is more meaning, uh, just like another word for narrow, mm-hmm. meaning that's like the narrow and narrow path, which mm-hmm. is lower than it, but it's like, like the English straight. It's mm-hmm. that narrow strip of water and, that's what that, I think it's saying is like, that path is not an easy, it doesn't mean it's going to go straight, like directly to eternal life. Like there's going to be twists and turns and things that are unexpected and it's going to be easy to miss, especially with how like worn and wide that destruction path is. But if we're able to find it and we're willing to stick with it to the end, even through all its twists and turns, we will come out on the other side better. Well, it, it reminds me of a recent BYU speech where, um, and we'll link it because I'll have to find it, but it, it is very recent. I think possibly last week um, it was given at BYU Provo and the brother who was speaking talked about uh, the Robert Frost poem, The the Road Less yeah. Traveled, right? And he talked about um, how the, the straight, narrow path that leads to Christ, that leads to eternal life, it is the road less traveled. And, you know, why wouldn't it be? Because there are perceived flaws with that from like a worldly perspective and how you mentioned the straight not straight and like from point A to point B, very straight uh, in a line, like linear path, but it takes weaves. And if you think about it, if you're in the straight and you're going along and it's a little bit rough because now you have to change, you have to adjust your way to orient yourself to Christ and Heavenly Father who are higher holier beings. It makes sense to get up on land for a minute. But when you get up on land, now you are uh, like, you're succumbing to the natural fallen world. Mm-hmm. And also too, with mention of that poem too, in the, in the poem, the reason it's the, like it's the pathless, less travel to there. And that's the reason it's so hidden and hard to find. And so I think like almost in this kind of roundabout way, it's also this invitation to walk that path ourselves and to if we can bring just maybe even one or two more people on that path with us, because as more people walk that path, path, it becomes more visible. It becomes easier to see. And suddenly people are recognizing, Oh, there's this other path here that we can take. And eventually it won't be the road, the road less traveled. Yeah. 
something <clears throat> that I love about these few verses, right? When Christ shares that, that this gate is open to all people, right? It says that there's going to be a lot of people who go into the broad gate. And that's not because Christ is saying, oh, you know, we're full over here. You guys, you know, you're hustling over. No, it's, it's our choice. Ultimately what we'll decide to do, right? This choice that we have to make is it's, it's hard. It's not easy to follow and keep all the commandments or heavenly fathers given to us. Some of them are hard, right? Christianity or this gospel that we've been given is, is not often comfortable, but it's comforting, right? One of my favorite talks um, here's a quote by Neely Maxwell. It says, it simply will not work to glide naively through life, saying as we sip another glass of lemonade, Lord, give me all thy choicest virtues, but be certain not to give me grief, nor sorrow, nor pain, nor opposition. Please do not let anyone dislike me or betray me. And above all, do not ever let me feel forsaken by thee or those I love. In fact, Lord, be careful to keep me from all the experiences that made me divine. And then when the rough sledding by everyone else is over, please let me come and dwell with thee, where I can boast about how similar our strengths and our characters are as I float along my cloud of comfortable Christianity. My beloved brothers and sisters, Christianity is comforting, but it is not often comfortable. The path to holiness and happiness here and hereafter is the long and sometimes rocky one. And I love that so much because our Father in heaven has all these blessings he wants to give us. And the biggest blessing that he has given us is the gift of agency. All of us have the ability to choose whether to accept or, or reject this message which he's given us. And he's going to give everybody that opportunity, right? Nothing's going to be held back from us. And as we put forth faith, right? Faith isn't just a belief in something. It's something that you trust in so much that you're willing to do whatever's required. When you have faith in the Savior, you're willing to keep his commandments. You might not know why they've been given or how they'll help you, but you know that our Father in Heaven might have a little bit better of an idea of what's going on than we do. And when we have that faith, we're willing to enter into the covenant which he's given us. Right? We're willing to promise to him that we'll try our best. No, we won't be perfect, but we're willing to try. I feel like we could end the podcast right there. Yeah, let's take it so good. <laughs> but really, what I'm hearing is what matters is the intention of our hearts. If there was anything I learned on my mission, it was your desires, right? Your Heavenly Father knows your deepest desires and the intentions of your heart. And as you're on this path, keeping that intention and that faith to keep going, right? To keep pushing forward, even with other people around you, right? Sometimes you need them to help you keep going. Um, that intention of our hearts and yielding our hearts to God and his path, right, is, is so important. Instead of yielding our hearts to our own desires, to the easier desires, like you said. So I just, I just see that thing being our hearts, right? Where is our focus? Is it Christ or is it, I don't know, your favorite Netflix movie? I'm not sure, right? But we all have that thing that is always fighting for that attention of Christ because the, the, the gate, right, is narrow, but broad is the way, right, that leadeth the way. So anyway. And to kind of connect those two points, those last two points, the one being, you know, that that the Lord, he's not saying that, hey, straight, straight is the gate because it's exclusive, right? 
that it's, you know, it's out of reach from most people. It is that, you know, as we know, many are kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. And the Lord, what he needs most is disciples who will go and, and feed his sheep. Right. And so the Lord's also given us a pattern because we, we aren't, we aren't held by the hand to get to this path. Like we do have to discern it. And that's what he starts giving, like starting in verse 15, where he talks about beware of false prophets and talking about knowing them by their fruits. He says, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles, right? Do people go in and find these, these, um, you know, these foods among things that can harm you, right? And so he's giving this pattern, which it makes so much sense because again, like the Lord, he made the earth. He followed a pattern that we can see in nature. And so we can follow that pattern and then find just like we could find food, you know, um, we can find spiritual nourishment and, and, um, so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it mentions, and then, yeah, it meant, and then later mentions how we'll basically know whether or not they're actually like this person, whoever it is, is actually a prophet or not, or whether or not they're teaching doc, true doctrine or not is if they're like practicing what they're preaching and that they're bringing and like these things are bringing good outcomes because of it. But one thing I kind of want to uh, mention is in verse 19, it says every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And that actually reminds me of uh, the parable in or the allegory in James or not James, sorry, Jacob chapter five, where it talks about how like the Lord of the vineyard went and when it came time, he took all that evil the fruit, the tree, the parts of the trees and those trees that were bringing forth those evil fruit and he was casting them into the fire. And kind of two things I want to mention with that is the first being that it was the Lord of the vineyard who went and did that and decided what did and didn't get to be thrown into the fire. And like that's, and this kind of goes back to the, what the beginning of the chapter was is like that's not for us to decide. It's, and then also, too, in verse 19, it meant it said the wording is that that is what will happen, but it's not an action call. It's not saying, hey, you need to find these false prophets and cast them into the fire. Right. You need to. And I just think that comes back to making sure that we're not judging because that's not our place. It's our it's our job to search for and find the truth and help other bring others there. But it's not our job to judge or condemn those who uh, teach otherwise. And I would add too, if we're, if we're judging, uh, we're judging righteously and it's for ourselves, right. To know yeah. the good from the evil. It's not to go in, like you said, condemn that person, which, you know, that's up, that's up to Christ. So we don't do that. So that's also something I've been learning lately is that in a world that says don't judge don't judge don't judge it's it's in our human nature like we talked about to judge but 
the way to judge is for ourselves to know, right? Not to hurt the other person. Um, and he gives that to us here. So, and also to discern those who would help you versus maybe not help you, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's also yeah. important because by your fruits, you shall know them, right? Mm -hmm. So what kind, what kind of things are in their life or, you know, your surroundings even, what fruits are they bringing you, right? Are they good? Are you sad all the time? Are you tired? Are you happy? Like those are things to kind of assess how can I do better in your own life? So coming up next is, I think, where um, the, you know, faith without works is dead kind of finds its um, its genesis where he says in verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father who is in heaven. And that's a distinction. Again, I don't feel like the Lord is making some uh, exclusivity here. He's just saying that those who know me and then do the will of the Father, which is what I'm teaching you, they will be the ones to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he talks about this, this day. In that day, people will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then well, I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Um, and I think in the um, in the JST, it corrects that, saying, you never knew me. Right? In Matthew? Yeah. Yeah. In Matthew JST, I'm pretty sure it corrects that. Um, that verse because the Lord of course knows them it's that they didn't know the Lord I I mean maybe this is a question we could talk about but I just thought to myself as I was reading this I was like why if they ask that question right like Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out devils in thy name I wonder if like what their intention was. Like that's kind of, I don't know, like how could, if, I, if my intention was that I didn't really know the Savior, how could I come to the Savior and say those things, you know? Like, and I don't really know what kind of question I'm trying to say. It's just a thought that I had. I think of like the Pharisees and the Sadducees mm -hmm. and like the questions they would ask him. And it's like, what? Like, why would you even ask that? Because me, I just feel like I would never ask that to the Savior. Like, but I did this and I did that, especially if my intention wasn't good, you know? I don't know. Right. I don't really know what I'm asking. It was just a thought I had when I was reading. A role model of mine shared with me that kind of like an analogy that relates to this story is that, right, if there's a kid and he's got an F in his math class and he comes to the teacher at the last second saying, hey, you know, I've, I need help. I need a better grade. You know, what can I do to boost my score? You know, I'm ready to learn math now. Well, you've wasted all this time, the whole semester, not preparing for that thing, right? Sitting there doing, you know, who knows what. And even though, right, you're, you're ready now to do all the work that's required, well, it's, it's the day before grades are posted. You've kind of ran out of time. And right, Christ is saying that in the last days, when things are pretty obvious that he's here, right? All the signs and all the wonders and 
everything's becoming more evident that Christ is coming and that the truth of his gospel has been restored, people will obviously then recognize the necessity of the things that Christ has taught. And at that time, that's when they'll start to put forth the work in Christ. Christ warns us against that. He counsels us to try our best always, right? The five doctrinal principles that he teaches us about his doctrine, our first faith, repentance, baptism, the Holy Ghost, and the last one is enduring to the end, right? Not enduring at the end, at the last second, but putting forth that work always, trying and striving to be a representative of him, to do as he would and to serve as he would serve. So basically, just don't be that disciple with an F. Don't be that disciple with an F, man. Come on, yeah. at least get like a C. Or <laughs> yeah. I, something that you said that came to my mind was like that scripture. It's, do, not cra- do not procrastinate the day of your repentance. Um, I, I can take that as a warning, but I can also take that as an invitation to, to start feeling the joy of the gospel. Because Jesus Christ loves us so much. And he wants to bless us. That's his nature. His nature is not to condemn. If you look all throughout the scriptures, look at all, especially like in the New Testament, he never condemned anybody but the scribes, the Pharisees, and hypocrites, which is super interesting because the Pharisees even brought a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's one that. Law of chastity is one of the highest, that is the highest law of the celestial kingdom. And so even then he forgave her and told her, sin no more, you know? Um, And so I think that that invitation too is always just, he wants to bless us. There's so much joy in repenting daily because every day is a new day. We get to kneel before our God every morning and ask for his will, what, what we can do better, just, just a little bit, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the great thing about the gospel is it's joyful. I really love president Nelson's talk that he gave, um, about daily repentance and finding the joy in that. I just kind of want to add and just call back to what Elder Romero said about like, that invitation that do not procrastinate the day of your repentance not isn't just a warning but an invitation because Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ they they want to give us blessings and they want to help us out when like any way they can but we have to be willing to we like we have to show worry we have to basically show we want that we want that we want that help and so that and that's part of that repentance process is to recognize a that we need help, and then b to sincerely ask and work for it. And that's what that that change in our lives is that faith that we can act on and and seek, and we will find as long as we're willing to go and do that. And then yeah, they can give us blessings. As a missionary, I find a lot. I met some people who have always asked like, Oh, if I have opportunities in the next life to learn and make these covenants and promises, why would I do that now? And so I was like, well, it's because heavenly father and Jesus Christ want to bless you now. <laughs> they don't 
because there there are certain blessings that they that are purely going to be temporal and they want to give them to you but you have to show that you want that help and like if you wait until the spirit world yeah you might be able to get in before that those grades are posted but and you might be able to get it into into this lesser kingdom but you'll you'll have missed out on a lifetime of joy yeah so I watched a BYU women's conference the other day um, and it's from the first presidency and something that both of you have said have reminded me of something that they said uh, sister. I think it was sister Tracy Browning uh, who said it, but anyway, she said the Lord is more interested in the journey and the process rather than the destination. And so when it comes to repenting, he would rather see us daily repenting on this journey than just getting to that perfected state, right? Like he's more interested in us changing little by little each day and experiencing that joy that you guys are talking about, which I think ties perfectly into the last set of verses here about building your house upon a rock, right? And not upon sand. <laughs> we don't want a sandy foundation. We want to start to create that solid foundation. Uh, I have a, we have an 18 month old and or she's 19 months now, but the, the song about the three little pigs and the, the wolf is going to come and huff and puff and blow their house down. And this song talks about it's, um, I can't, I can't remember the words, but basically when they're talking about the, the first pig who builds his house and the second and the third, it says that they don't believe that they need to build a stronger house. Because they believe that the sticks are going to be just fine or whatever they're building their house out of. And I thought that was really interesting when I'm thinking here. It all starts with a belief that we need to build our house upon a solid foundation. We need to focus on Christ. We need to experience that daily joy of repentance and those blessings that come from following him right now. Or else we lose out on it. And eventually we'll see, just like the little pig saw, that when the bad wolf comes, we need that spiritual foundation, right? We need it to stand on and your house won't fall over. It will stay, it'll stay strong. And so, I don't know, just some thoughts I had that the Lord's always interested in the process and the journey. It's not so much focused on the outcome, like our little human brains sometimes focus too much on the outcome <laughs> and just the getting there rather than enjoying the process. Uh, I was just going to ask, what are what are some, this is for everybody, what are some things that you guys have done in your life um, to strengthen your, your foundation? What are the building blocks of the foundation look like? Well, I'll go right away real quick. The temple, the commitment to go to the temple has been a huge building block for me. Like I know that without a doubt. And obviously, I won't take other ones away, but the temple has been the biggest one for me, is building my foundation. Um, it, it's going to sound like a, like a, a plug within the podcast, but like the podcast, like this Book of Mormon podcast that we've, we've committed to doing forever, right, is a way to weekly build my 
foundation, but also like a, a, a shared foundation with Shelby, who's my, my wife and my eternal companion. However, like, because it's a long-term thing, um, there's kind of like, there's periods in which I, I'm not as, because I see this building a foundation as not something that's one and done, right? Like the, whatever mm-hmm. we're building, this house that we're building is something that we're continually building. It doesn't say the man who built his house and finished his house, right? It's the man who built his house. Like I see him still building, you know, throughout his life. And if you are building on the right foundation, then as you are in the process of building um, a house of, of God, right? A godly house, then you, you can withstand the, the winds and so on and so forth. Right. But if you don't, then that's just going to be like a terrible life where your house is constantly falling apart and you're constantly having to figure out what am I going to do next? You know, but there is the safety, the security um, in, in Christ. I love what you said. It's not always comfortable. The gospel isn't comfortable, but it is comforting. And that's so true. I love how you mentioned that because it reminds me of a scripture a little bit earlier in the Book of Mormon in Helaman, right? About about Nephi and Lehi, not the first ones, but Nephi and Lehi, they're, they're brothers. And they remember something their dad mentioned to them about building their foundation on Christ. And what I love about that is, is when they learned about this information, they didn't say, wow, thanks, Dad. That's awesome. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go play, you know, a couple rounds of Call of Duty and I'll see you later. Right. <laughs> they, they went and they put forth that effort and they, and they worked with it and they went and they ministered and they taught people and they shared the testimony that they had. Right. A foundation, you know, isn't really worth much if you don't plan on living in it. Right. A foundation for a house isn't super useful if you don't finish building the house. Right? And they went and they served and they shared that testimony. And it wasn't easy, right? They were thrown in prisons. But what was more amazing was what God helped them do, what they were able to do by the power of God. They were able to baptize thousands. They were able to work miracles. And all because of the foundation they were built on, right? We can build in this world, in this day, mansions, right? And they're all held together by the foundation that we lay. And it's the same thing for us, right? It talks about the treasures which we'll see in heaven when we put forth the work here on earth. Just like Elder Peterson said, God wants to bless us. Those blessings come as we as we do the things he asks of us. He is a loving Heavenly Father. And the amount of things that he has prepared, the amount of blessings, the amount of information, the amount of knowledge is just mind-boggling. I can't even wrap my head around it. But that love that our Father in Heaven has it's all, it's the center of everything we do. Yeah. And um, so uh, a little bit of a kind of a side note, it'll come right back to this, but I like to collect, collect, I guess, different quotes from whether, from media, whether it's a movie, a book or a video game, even like just cool quotes. And one of them I is from the book, The Hero of Ages. And it actually mirrors a uh, quote. I can't remember who said it, but it was from like a general authority. The quotes, the quote is, I found that if you give up what you want most for what you think you should want more, you'll just end up miserable. And kind of going back to those two different paths is that the, the world 
on their on its big broad path is able to set up all these things and tell us that all these things are the important stuff or the cool stuff and it's like and that we should this is these should be the things we want because it'll give us happiness in that moment but in do if we fall into that we're going to end up giving we're going to end up giving up that eternal joy that we could have later as long as we're willing to push through these hard times and like it may leave us it that could those decisions could leave us a bit of an outcast as we choose to follow Christ instead of follow what the world says we should want more than that but as long as but as we keep our focus on Christ and as long as we build our foundation on him we'll in the long run we'll be so much happier and so much more blessed because of those decisions that we made and you know how do you how do you continue with faith elder you know what if i really like my crocs and stanley water bottle how do i <laughs> how do i have faith to put that first well i it's uh, <laughs> i can be hard and like gotcha. granted, granted stanley stanley water bottle and crocs probably like you probably don't have to worry about choosing that versus the same that's probably it's probably one you can have both of but I think it's just kind of having that focus and that emphasis of thinking if like, are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to maybe go out, go without those things that you want in order to get something else you really want? That's like when it comes to like buying things, that's kind of my philosophy. It's like, like if I want something and I have the money for it, I'll buy it. But if I don't, and it's something I really want, I've like been able to teach myself to kind of hold off and to save buying these smaller things that I want in the moment so that this way I can save that up for something bigger. And that's kind of what we're doing in life is we're kind of saving up those momentary bits of like not joy, but maybe happiness or pleasure in order for that eternal joy later on. Except for Dr. Pepper, you get that if you want. <laughs> Texas tab. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say um, something that's a little earlier in the sermon is when Jesus Christ talks about um, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will sh- shall be added unto you. Um, maybe it's not necessarily those spiritual or <laughs> the worldly things um, that will be added unto us, but his power is the ability to fill his spirit, the ability to mourn, you know, fulfill our baptismal covenant, mourn with those that mourn, um, to serve, to love. Um, that's, that's where his power can come in. Um, and once we seek that, we can build up the kingdom of God um, and help others come unto Christ that way. Um, and going back to what Elder Stefano was saying, was how do you have faith in, in that? Um, I think it's it's first, you know, we, we have to have hope and then we have to have trust in the Savior. We have to understand who he is and why he did what he did 
Um, that can be a big motivator, I feel like, to understand maybe why instead of how and what um, about whatever principle it is in, in the gospel. Um, it will. I feel like it just kind of makes things a little more clear. And so, yeah. It wraps all back to that first bit of of humbling yourself enough to repent to Christ so that you can see more clearly about what Christ really wants you to know. There's so many little ways that we can, little things that we can focus in on, but it all comes back to that, that core doctrine that Christ taught us. Just start everything off with faith, being willing to do what he asks, trying and striving to become better. And it's, you know, there's a lot that we can do to increase that faith. But ultimately, it's just remembering those covenants that we make when we're baptized, remembering Christ, having his name always written in our heart, and always trying to remember him in all times. It might not be easy. We might not be perfect at it. But it's something that we can remember every day and improve on, line by line, precept upon precept. For those of you who might be thinking, I don't even know if I have faith. <laughs> Well, then have a desire to desire to have faith, right? Like even a desire to desire, as we know in Alma 32, is enough, right? And that, if you let that grow in you, it will it will grow, right? If you feed it and you nourish it. So I always like to say that because sometimes I think some of us might be listening and think, why well, I, I don't have faith like the, the missionaries do or whatever, right? You might be comparing, but it's it's not about them. It's about you and your relationship with the Savior. And if you don't feel like you have that desire, well, then desire to desire to have faith. That's my invitation. So anyway, such a good sermon. Yeah, go ahead. I just have one more thing to add to that. Um, for a long time, I didn't really understand what faith was. Um, I always thought it was just kind of a belief um, or knowing or whatever. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't understand that, you know, without the works, faith means nothing. Um, it's, it's in vain. And so when you feel not the desire to go to church or to read your scriptures, that's natural. That's the natural man. Um, and when you do those things, when you even open up the scriptures, if you even open up the Book of Mormon and read just one verse, that's faith. That's that's desire. You're changing as well. You're you're already living two principles in the gospel. <laughs> you're living faith and you're repenting, you're changing. Or you had a late Saturday night, you don't want to get up early for church, but you go anyway, even if um, you know, for younger people or for older people, um, your mom, your, your dad, brother, sister, they're trying to pull you out of bed and you just don't want to, but you listen, you heed to them and you go to church. That's faith. Taking the sacrament is faith and action too. that. I feel like faith and repentance work hand in hand so well because faith is action and when we act, we change. We're we're changing. We're doing things little by little, and um, you probably you probably have faith. <laughs> Just want to reassure that faith faith can be 
just as simple as opening up the scriptures or getting on your knees and praying. Yeah, I I just wanted to mention like I too kind of struggled with faith for a while and I kind of put that scripture in Alma to the test. It's like I just had questions of about things and I like didn't think I'd be able to get through that just because it's like, oh I didn't feel my faith was strong enough. And then I was reading that chapter and just having like knowing that all I really needed was the like yeah the, that desire to desire or that desire to have that faith. It helped me because yeah, I was at a point where I honestly didn't even I didn't want to have that I didn't want to change that really. I like or I, I both did but didn't. There was a part of me that just didn't want to change and was happy with where I was, but there was another part of me that knew I could do better and that I probably should do better. And yeah, so I had to really put my trust in that and just kind of desire have that desire to de- to have the desire to change and that desire to desire to have faith. And I I can testify that it works, takes some time, but it does work. You know, something, I guess in closing, something that the deep study of um, of the words of Christ, especially like not not just the words of his servants, but in the scriptures, when we when we actually are reading the words of Christ, we. As we study those deeply, we do see like like where we started talking about tonight, which was like our deficiencies. And then it is like a, a deficiency I think is also um, questioning, am I good enough? Like, am I, am I worthy to be, you know, a disciple of Jesus Christ in this way? And then constantly like, you know, correcting that, those insecurities, that self doubt and knowing that, that faith and this whole process is exactly that it's a process and it's progress toward eternal life. Um, you know, Christ always inviting us to come unto him, no matter where we are at in that process. So um, I want to, I want to appreciate, I want to express my appreciation for y'all kind of, kind of being a little bit vulnerable, kind of sharing some of the, um, the uncertainties that you've had in the past and how you've overcame it, right. Followed our savior kind of, you know, at least one step, into the garden, if you will, to be like, hey, we we want to be followers of him and we want to we want to do his work, if only that one step, you know. So I just wanted to to really say that I appreciate y'all coming on and, and sharing those things. Um and that's you know, we're at the end of the chapter. So any closing remarks from anyone? I think I've said all I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone else? I, no? I guess the only thing I have is thanks for this opportunity. Thank you guys for yeah. welcoming us and allowing us to kind of come on and be a part of this. This is yeah. such a cool opportunity. And honestly, just being able to have this conversation has been really cool. Cause like throughout, as we're talking, I was, 
still, I had a pen and a highlighter out and I was marking and writing notes down as we went through just because it allowed like the, this like setting and the different perspectives allowed me to learn more as I was going. So thank you. Of course. It was all the spirit, you know, it wasn't us. (laughs) Well, Next week, we are going to be diving into 3rd Nephi chapter 15. Um, But until then, be sure to read your scriptures, say your prayers, and we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.